Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. Uh, the resolution to the Anthony Richardson shoulder injury that had increasingly kept looking like what was going to come finally came today. The Colts are uh, announced he is going to have season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, they are doing it with his long-term interests in mind. Um, don't know exactly when it will happen. Soon is, is what Shane Steichen said, but uh, ultimately, the the important thing is uh, he's he's going to have sh- surgery. He's going to miss the season. Steichen did say, I, I, I mean, obviously the next question everyone's going to have is when is he going to be back? Um, Steichen did say that he thought there was a good chance that, that Richardson could be back by the start of off-season workouts next year. Um, based on reporting from uh, our, our colleague, Akeem Glaspie, talking to a, a surgeon at IU Health, that doesn't seem necessarily out of the question. I think if I remember right, Akeem's story right, it said six months. Um, I don't know if we'll get to talk to Richardson anytime soon in the future. At some point, he'll be back around the team. Maybe maybe he'll be able to talk. Um, but but the that's that's the big news is the the driving force of this season. Anthony Richardson is now sort of on pause until he gets healthy again. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Obviously, there's such excitement coming into the year and certainly once he became the starter and you know obviously started to make some plays and just some of the numbers that he was able to put out there you know the first rookie quarterback with a rushing touchdown each of his first three games and even some of the passing moments I think were, were pretty exciting but an injury like he had that you know that that's right there in the throwing shoulder it was going to put him in a tough situation that we kind of talked through the other night where you know they need to bring him back when he's fully recovered it's it's a different situation than if you had a veteran quarterback who maybe is trying to play through something a little bit to uh, try and lead a team somewhere that season I think about like when Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger have dealt with shoulder injuries uh, or guys those are both guys who've who've developed and for Anthony what they needed to have happen is you know they need him to get reps that's this whole season's been about getting reps is why this is so unfortunate but they need to be quality reps too so they want to get him to a place where he can fully recover that shoulder get back to throwing with it you know the full extension physically and in muscle memory and pain free that that he needs to develop as a passer because you know he's still at like above high school level i think he still has fewer than 500 career attempts above high school so this is just an unfortunate hitch in the in the road for him because uh, however the season was going to go for the team, we didn't. They were starting to surprise us, winning some games, but they also could could have bottomed out. Uh, but it, but as long as he was out there and developing and getting some of those reps and going through some of those challenges, it was kind of what this year was supposed to be about. And he got a little taste of that. He got got enough to I think excite some people about what he could be. But the unfortunate thing is he's just not going to get. Uh, those other experiences to to kind of lead and grow throughout a season and, and develop his game and figure out how it fits and how the offense builds around him that all that stuff's on on hold and they're going to hope that it can obviously come back next year but uh, but we're going to be waiting a little bit for it. Um, Jim Mercer said uh, in a in a very memorable quote uh, he told Jory Epstein of Yahoo today. Um, in terms of what what their expectations are for Anthony Richardson. Uh, he said, "John Landau, as John Landau said about Bruce Springsteen in 1974, when he said, I've seen the future of rock and roll as Bruce Springsteen. Well, I've seen the future of the NFL, and it's Anthony Richardson. It's a bar. I think 
the 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 um, the tendency towards hyperbole aside, I think the important takeaway from that quote and from some of the other stuff that we got from talking to Shane Steichen, from talking to players in the locker room, is that the expectation is right now as we sit here that this is still Anthony Richardson's team going forward. And I do think that there is a there is a, an alternate scenario where that would not have been true. I think if, if he had struggled, um, if he had not played well and this injury happened in the same 173 snaps, we might be talking about uh, – do they to make another draft pick at the position? Um, and I'm sure that'll still come up somehow because it's a long time until he's healthy in the draft and people have a lot of things to talk about. But the fact that he played as well as he did, that we saw the things that we did, I do think is a big deal. The, the game that kept coming up today was the Rams game. That was the game that kept coming up as, as the game that is really encouraging for the rest of the team um, just them being down so big and the way he brought them back and had to put them on his back and carry them to get them to overtime. Now, they didn't win that game, but it felt like for the team, that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is a guy. And Ursay's quote to to, to Jory, um, Shane Steichen said he's seen plenty. It does not feel like there is an uns- uncertainty about who he could be as a player within the walls of this building. And I do think that that's important given, um, you know, heading into a draft that I, th- I think is supposed to be fairly deep in the quarterback position. Yeah, there are going to be some questions and hurdles, obviously, he has to face about coming back from this injury. And it's going to be kind of an ongoing discussion about health and protecting him. But there's a lot fewer questions about the player and the person that they're trusting. And I think it really mattered that he was – able to be as ready as early as he was. So it's very unfortunate that this injury happens after just four games. But he was able to win this job just after one preseason game and was really to hit, able to hit the ground running as far as you know picking up a playbook and, and processing it and learning it and making sound football decisions on the field. We saw that consistently from training camp into the preseason into the games. And it won a lot of people over. It just felt like this – kid was a lot further along than maybe we knew coming into his arrival here you know he got drafted as a 20 year old and all the questions were kind of if you just take yourself back to you know the spring all these questions about you know does this kid need to sit and learn is he like is he too raw is he too far away is he you see the completion percentage at Florida and you wonder you know how is he going to you know be able to hold up at the NFL does he have to sit and, and wait and I think if he had sat and waited, if this was more like a Trey Lance situation and then just on one freak play got injured after that, it'd be a different conversation where you would have to start wondering about do we do we know that they have the talent and the the person down yet to, to handle this going forward once you get through the health. But instead, they're at that spot where they firmly believe in the person and the way that he went about the spring into the summer into the season – and then the player, both as a runner, we've seen that electric ability. But I think what really inspired people is what he could do as a passer. Because once in that Rams game you brought up, once they're down 23 nothing, those legs certainly can help. But at some point you're going to have to get your team back in it with your arm. And he did it that day. He ripped off some explosive throws. That was a day where 
you know, they had very high yards per attempt, even though he only completed 11 passes. But you saw some of the ability to just create, you know, 60 yards in the blink of an eye. And that's ultimately the hope that he needed to bring this season. And so it's it's unfortunate that he didn't get a lot more games and a lot more uh, reps and, you know, things to work through and ways to develop that consistently. But the main thing is you needed everybody in this franchise to look around at who he is and how he operates and how he plays and say, you know, I can rock with that. And I want that going forward. And I think that's what he brought in his unfortunately limited sample, but enough to give them some hope. Yeah. And, you know, barring uh, injury complication, which I, I don't, I don't really want to get into that too much on this podcast. I don't actually think that we know. I think we got to let that play out as to how it's going to go. Um, but, uh, Barring injury complication, the Colts will have the same starting quarterback two years in a row, um, which is a big deal. It's a big deal for this franchise. It's a big deal for, to continue the development going forward. Um, obviously, you want him to finish the rookie his rookie year, but I, I just didn't get a sense of uncertainty in anything anybody said, either, either here in the building, we're taping this in, inside the media room at the Colts complex or, or from Jim Irsay in New York. And obviously Jim Irsay is the most important. Um, we, we've learned that in many, many ways over the last couple of years, but like obviously Jim Irsay is the most important, but everyone else, like it just, it just doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like there's wiggle room on what they think about him going forward. That's, I think that's important that the, the injury stuff the do they need to protect him how can they protect him that's going to be the big question moving forward it would be very very different if the question was um is he good enough in addition to can we protect him and i think that's where for the amount of the limited sample they got out of him what did matter was getting him on the field early with a coach like shane Steichen. and those two franchise cornerstones right from the get-go were working together and in a way that inspired a lot of faith and so much so that I, I think you know, you've mentioned this on here before, but I agree with it that I think that played into why they extended Jonathan Taylor when they did is what they saw out of Anthony Richardson and believing that they have a window now to go after this because they have this mix of Anthony and a system built by Shane that caters to his strengths and, you know, is going to address his weaknesses without overexposing them. It feels like something that's very, very workable you know, once he's out there, there's certainly unfortunate ends of this beyond, you know, what we've laid out. It would have been nice just to see him build some chemistry and playing time with other guys, whether it's Michael Pittman Jr., who they, you know, might extend. I think they probably will try to extend, uh, you know, Alec Pierce. He didn't get any snaps with Jelani Woods, unfortunately, and then just one play with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, that's the stuff that I, I think I'm going to mostly look back on as something they missed out on. It's just kind of seeing what this year could do as a springboard into next year and beyond as far as building out that offense. It's something I asked Shane today about as how, how much can they build out the offense he wanted to bring here without that central piece. They can't. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like The stuff that Richardson does, they can't really replicate with any of the other quarterbacks on the roster, I don't think there's anybody they can sign that they can repl- like that. That part of it is on hold. I think that part is is definitely on pause. the 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 stuff you can do in the run game, uh, with with what he does in terms of taking attention away from people, 
like they, him and Jonathan Taylor only got one snap together. Jonathan Taylor with any of the other three quarterbacks is not the same thing. You're focusing on Jonathan Taylor. Same thing with Zach Moss, really, after after the way he's played early. Any any of the either running back with any of the other three quarterbacks, if you're a defense, you're focused on the running back. That wasn't true with Richardson. Um, so that stuff, a lot of the fun stuff we saw in the run game with him, they just can't do it. Like it's not stuff that they can do. Um, the down the field stuff. Shane Syke had mentioned that himself today. Is is this? The ability of his arm to go downfield. Uh, we saw it in the Rams game. They didn't really start out that way the first couple of games. We saw it in the Rams game. We saw it against Tennessee, too. He, had the, he hit the 38-yarder to uh, Josh Downs on third and 16 in that game. That The explosiveness that Shane Steichen wants out of the offense that Richardson brings, uh, he's gonna, Steichen's going to try to find it. But in terms of building the offense and figuring out exactly how Anthony works best in the offense – that that is a big loss losing losing all of that time on task because i think i think most people me included expected there to be around game 8 9 10 maybe after the bye week after they be after they're in germany seeing a streamlined version of the offense based on all of the the data they collected on what richardson likes what he doesn't like what he does well what he doesn't do well sort of the way most offenses tend to work with new quarterbacks the way Steichen's offense worked uh, in Philadelphia when he took over the play calling duties from Nick Sirianni they changed the the emphasis of that offense and it took off in uh, 2021 you know I think we, if Richardson is starting I think that would have been there that I don't know that they, I don't know that 173 snaps is enough of a a sample size for them to really hone in on that going into next season yeah, that's the part that I, I think is, is tough. Because you look at a guy like, for example, Alec Pierce. You know, they've had a hard time getting him going so far this season in, I think, moving quarterbacks in and out and being in the early stages of developing that passing attack is a big part of that. But it felt like that Rams game could have been the start of something as far as running the type of plays, taking the type of shots that would uh, develop a player like that. And I think about that with Jelani Woods, too, who once he's back out here – is more of your seam stretching down the field tight end. Will we get enough of those looks? And even if we do, uh, you know, you'd like to see him build a connection with that young quarterback. And so that's the thing when I look back to like what the, the model Shane had in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. You know, their first year they made the playoffs at nine and eight, got bounced in the wild card round. But that was a way to really build a lot of connections uh, that Jalen built. You know, started to build with. Dallas Goddard and, uh, and Devonta Smith uh, before they traded for AJ Brown, and that's that's some of the stuff that's like you'd like to the development for guys like Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce. I think that's unfortunately going to be on hold a little bit based on the skill set of the the quarterback who's back there now versus the one they want to build with, and you know that's just that's one of the unfortunate ripple effects of this whole thing. Yeah, I Gardner Minshew is the starter going forward. Um, I know there have been some people who've wondered, like, is Sam Ellinger a possibility? Is Kellen Mond a possibility? At this point, no. Uh, Shane Steichen said definitively this is Gardner's team right now. Uh, this is Gardner Minshew's team. They're, it's it's a very different offense. We saw that in Jacksonville last week. Last week, um, There are things that – it's and it's not just about the legs. There are things that Gardner Minshew's arm struggles with um, that he's really going to have to – he talked about – so Minshew talked today about he needed, there was some fundamental stuff he had to get he had to change uh, in terms of his fundamentals why he missed some of those throws 
Um, I think one of the other thing, and he said the other thing is not trying to do too much, like being in a game where maybe you can let your defense do stuff. I think the biggest thing for me is he's just got to be, he's got to be better when pressured. Mm-hmm. Um, it speeds him up too much, right? It's it sped him up too much in the Jacksonville game. I felt like it sped him up too much in the Baltimore game. Um, that there's going to be, I don't know that there's ever going to be like, I don't know if he's ever going to be a super accurate or uh, inspiring downfield thrower, but the pocket present stuff that has to get fixed for them to have a chance here. Um, because you're going to have some muddy pockets in the NFL. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if your offensive line is the best one in the NFL. Um, and he's got to do a better job when he's under pressure of handling that pressure, not speeding up, not throwing too early or before he needs to, when his feet aren't set the way he did on the third pick. That's the stuff that's got to change for them to have a chance at creating a Gardner Minshew version of the offense, which uh, Jim Bob Cooter said it's very different. Uh, he said this last week. They they did this in the offseason where they built two offenses essentially into the playbook, and one of those offenses is is not it's not on mothballs entirely because I think if something happened to Minshew and Sam Ellinger's in there, then you bring back some of the quarterback run stuff, but it's that that part of the playbook is definitely shut down for now and the Gardner Minshew side of the playbook that's what's going to be emphasized so for me there are some things that I think Gardner Minshew is is who Gardner Minshew is he's got to play he's got to play with more poise in the pocket yeah you're thinking about ways that he he's got to play within himself what he can do and understanding that so you know, it's it's not fair to ask him to become this quarterback design runner or this guy who's going to light it up down the field. It's just not who he is, and I think if we they force that too much, so he may run into more of those turnovers where it seemed like he he's just trying to do a little too much and, and the ball sails on him. But the stuff that should get better needs to get better for him to, you know, for this to work is the pocket presence. I think that's number one. Is that's Got, that's got to be an area where a veteran quarterback becomes at least comfortable, at least um, capable. You know, he's he's a shorter quarterback who isn't as fast as Anthony Richardson, obviously. So he's he's not going to be as good at that. Anthony, that's one of the biggest areas that they were uh, so in love with in his profile is his ability to navigate pressure and navigate the pocket. But Gardner needs to find a way to where when he sees that initial pressure and it starts to speed him up. He's looking more to move within the pocket to reset and throw than what we've seen so far, which is sort of this kind of panic mode where he's just sort of running looking. The first thing he can do to just get the ball anywhere other than holding it in his arms and and trying to find a new way to reset. So that's a lot of veteran quarterbacks who don't have amazing athleticism have gotten very good at that. That's one of Tom Brady's best skills and Matthew Stafford's best skill uh so it can be done uh that's gonna be what needs to happen though is that you know he's he's a guy who's very he could be very good in rhythm thrower in terms of his accuracy east-west throws outside the number I think that'll be a big part of their offense but for them to for them to have a good offense I think it's gonna have to come two ways they're gonna have to really get Jonathan Taylor going back to um, you know, this this model they have is a little bit more like 2021 where he's got to be the best player again. It's not going to be the quarterback. Uh, but then within that, if you can build off that to 
build a play action game, build a lower volume passing attack, but a efficient passing attack, um, and one that avoids danger. I think that's a lot going to come back to his ability to navigate the pocket and play like a veteran. And that's what that's got to be his edge going forward is that he has experience. He has, you know, experience, especially within this playbook. He's they, they say he's a you know a master of of that playbook. He needs to put that together more on the field of being a master post snap when things aren't perfect. Uh, if he could do a little bit more of that, then, then maybe they can manage this. Um, yeah, it, ultimately, they're <laughs> The 2021 example really does feel, especially right now, like a, a good example because, you know, well, uh, this isn't this is kind of common knowledge, but uh, just to just to back up that it's not just us saying it, and that we're not just saying it. Cliche. Jim Bob Cooter said this the other day. Uh, once teams see someone have success against you with something, they're going to keep doing it, and that means really heavy fronts. Um, probably some diamond or bear front from the defenses they're going to face. And they're going to say, we're going to do everything we can to stop Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss and put the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands. And you can – 2021 is an example that if you have a running back playing at the highest level, you can still run the ball against those fronts. But – and that that, that kind of feels where – that kind of feels like what's going to have to be – the emphasis here just because we saw what happens with 55 passes it's not good Mm. um and and you understand why they tried to throw them out of that front but they're going to face better secondaries than jacksonville's um jacksonville came into that game giving up 20 i think they were 27th in the nfl in yards per pass yards per drop back at like seven three which is a really big number when you realize you're factoring in sacks too and they picked off Minshew three times. I mean, he, he had 300 yards passing, but a lot of it was basically in garbage time. It's like 5.8 per attempt. Yeah, that's if the, the, the per attempt is the big one. Like, they just they're, – they're, it's hard for them to create explosive plays. They had three 40-yard passes the other day and still were at 5.8 per attempt. I think he's at 6.4 for the season. Um, so the running game is going to have to get going, and that means that there's going to have to be some adjustments – um, I was joking earlier that they can just put Ellinger in there and just run the triple option. Um, Why not? Uh, you know, sometimes it's a good way to uh, mi- uh, minimize talent differences in uh, in college football. Let's just uh, get get. You could run it out of if you if you don't want to add a back, you can run it out of the uh, the eye. You know, the old eye formation, and uh, I, Zach Moss is probably the fullback in that scenario. Taylor's the pitch man. Um, you could do that'd that. Be kind of, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be. Uh, I know you're all about the wing T. So yeah, well, the wing T stuff is like wing T principles are are built into some of the uh, like spread stuff that that, that colleges do now. That'd, mm-hmm. that'd be. Uh, it's probably there's probably influences of it in the in the Colts running game already. That wasn't even hard. That's just you know a little shotgun wing T. <laughs> so really, you're just we. They need to have three different offenses. So they got one for Gardner. They've got one for Anthony. Yeah, a passing game for Gardner, and then you're going to bring in Sam, and you got to have another one just in case you really want to like dive into the Nebraska of it all. Yeah, you got to be one of those old school Nebraska. Now be one of those school. college quarter college teams that has like this is our passing quarterback, this is our running quarterback, and we kind of oh, go man. interchangeably. 
Yeah, that hey, doesn't, I that, will say that was, doesn't even work at the college level. But <laughs> hey, just but a year ago, just about. a year ago, Jim Mercy was talking about how you might see a two quarterback system work in the NFL. So maybe this oh, is the time true. to try that. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a challenge. You know, I think back to twenty twenty one when they did find a way to run against stacked boxes. Like that's been the conversation this week, and it. It is important to emphasize that like you, it can be done. It's not as simple as like if a team stacks the box, there's just never going to be a run game, even if you're not able to throw them out of it. But the 2021 team had uh, just the run game personnel was really, really elite when you think about it. Obviously what Jonathan Taylor was doing, but you had Jack Doyle, who was a huge help in those stacked boxes, clearing out a linebacker. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox was the number two blocking tight end. That was pretty good. Uh, for a number two guy and then Eric Fisher while he was not you know very sound in pass protection he did form a nice uh, kind of nice combination with Quentin Nelson in a lot of those combo blocks and then their right guard was was very solid between uh, Chris Reed and Mark Lewinsky so they had they had nailed almost every position in like a run blocking or running the ball sense to be able to execute that well and so I think what happens right now with 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 her down to Gardner is that the the injuries or the deficiencies at any of these positions are just felt you just feel them more you're not able to overcome them uh you know the way i think anthony could have and we saw that on sunday where they're down braden smith at right tackle they're down essentially we're down mo alley cox he played like eight snaps but basically they don't have their the run blocking tight end they don't have their right tackle who's one of the best run blockers and then you mix in the stacked boxes that's where things start to really work against them so um, it's just it's going to stress the pieces around Gardner. They're get, those are pieces are going to have to step up and deliver. I think we saw some of that with Michael Pittman Jr. on Sunday, but it's going to be one of those where like the line, you know, the offensive line, the strides it's made overall this season. We're gonna they're going to really count on those because that has to combine with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss to be a team that runs even when teams are expecting it or trying to game plan to stop it uh it's because i don't think they're as of right now until they build out this passing game more and show more um they're not always going to be able to throw teams out of those looks at some point they do have to uh they do kind of have to man up and find ways to run through it and that's going to challenge shane Sykin too to try and find ways to be creative running the ball when you don't have uh the quarterback run threat um, the way that, you know, obviously did with Anthony. And so that's what's interesting going forward is like, you know, he, he Gardner Minshew is the quarterback, the backup quarterback. He knows the system. He's a trusted veteran to Shane Second and Jim Bob Cooter. But one of the challenges is like you do have to run two different offenses. So I wonder if, you know, what they'll do going forward, trying to navigate a world where Anthony may not be out there because of injury risk. Um, but that's more of a conversation for next year. Right now I think they have to lean into this – different world which is the the non-quarterback run one um, unless they want to do our suggestion have the two quarterback system and um, then they can kind of be 50 50 yeah i don't know if i like the two quarterback system i'm thinking through it right now i think maybe i think maybe it's it's a a an all-run uh college style offense with sam or it's whatever they're going to do with gardner i don't know if he can mix it i just keep thinking like are, are there any college teams that have ever been like successful doing that uh, with two quarterbacks, I guess or, for, like uh, early Florida, 
Oh, the pass. Chris Leak, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, Florida. Yeah, that's probably the best example. Uh, when LSU won the national title with Matt Flynn and Ryan Perlou, it was a little bit like that. Yeah. But not as much of a run-pass yeah. split. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones. Well, usually when colleges do that, it ends up bad. Yeah, it's usually not. It's uh, it, it like goes to the old cliche of we have two quarterbacks, you have zero. Right. So it's usually not what you do out of – uh, I think Mac Brown used to do it at North Carolina, right? Maybe before my time, he was Maybe. known for that. But again, it's not, and they they won games. They're doing it, but in general, it's not what you're doing because you think that's the best way to build an offense. So yeah, so so the uh, let, let's we'll put it that way. You stick with the Gardner version of the offense, or if you want to get really crazy, then you just go to Sam and you're you're running some version of the triple option formation. Formation can change. That actually, you know what? Let let just say, hey, we're gonna throw, we're gonna run the same stuff at people out of a lot of different looks. What if they came out this week and they're like, you know what? You don't want fifty-five pass attempts. How about eight pass attempts? And they just run triple option the whole way. Well, they're playing the Browns this week. I, I the the game plan is gonna be very interesting because the Browns have been so good defensively. I think that's the other thing is that it's gonna, it might take some time to see some fruit from this offense. With yeah. Gardner Minshew, the the next two weeks are rough. Mm-hmm. This week and next week are those are good defenses with good fronts. Um, really, really, really rough uh, in terms of of it, it, you know going. You had to go to Jacksonville the first game without Richardson. Uh, your second game is against the best defense in the NFL. I, I tweeted the I tweeted the the Colts or not the Colts the Browns defensive statistics just. Just go have a gander at them if you haven't seen them already. They they're terrifying. Um, Fewest yards allowed in five games to start a season in fifty. Yeah, years. It's fifty. Yeah, like the thing that's so years. impressive to me about that that means they're more impressive than the teams of the eighties and nineties when that was a defensive league. That's what they're doing right now. They 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 and they did it against the Niners last week. Um, like they this is a defense that gave up ninety four yards to the Tennessee Titans. Not that the Titans are some kind of great offense, but 94 yards in an NFL game, is it's that's unheard of. I'd have to see the updated stats because I only saw them before the Cowboys played. But the Cowboys were second entering that week in first downs allowed. And it, it may be like a two-to-one ratio now. I think the Browns have allowed half as yeah, many Yeah, the Browns first average downs. like – the Browns give up like 10 a game. So that's like the one deficiency you would say. 10, is, 10 should be a half. They give yeah. up 10 a game. Like the one – "Quote unquote weak stat that they have is turnovers. They're like thirtieth in turnovers, but that almost feels more like like they pitched so many three and outs. Nate's Nate's been watching Jim Schwartz's press conference, so that's what Jim Schwartz said yesterday. Yep. Well, they also run constant man coverage, like way more than anybody else in the league. And they always say it's harder to get interceptions in man coverage, but the way that they're doing it is almost like." Yeah, do we? We don't really need the turnover so much as they haven't so far. They just, just haven't get so three far. Three So um, that's what I expect on Sunday. Is that what the Jaguars are doing? Is a lot of press man coverage, pretty much taking away the quick game for Gardner, and the Browns are going to do the same thing because they run man coverage all the time, and they have better DBs, and uh, they also will play a lot of three safety, or they'll. they'll kind of rotate their safeties in and out because they've got old friend Rodney McLeod there who's sort of like their lurker guy who's going to change the picture on the quarterback. So uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's uh, 
you know, it's going to be a, have to be a game that if the Colts can win, I think I'm going to go ahead and say this. If the Colts win this game, Matt Gay is going to be the hero because I think that is the best route they have is to really get a bunch of long field goals because it's going to be really hard to drive the field. The other route that they have is Deshaun Watson doesn't play and either uh, P.J. Walker – I actually don't know what Dorian Thompson what, – what his status is right now. I think P.J. is just the backup ahead of Dorian. After the, the disastrous Ravens game? Yep. So if it's if it's PJ Walker, then the other path is just a disastrous game for the Browns quarterback, where they give the ball up in you know a, a bunch of short field situations. But it, it it looks like a Dorian Thompson Robinson, yeah. Um, it looks like a game where it's going to be very very low scoring, and it's going to hinge on team like who who creates tur- if if the Colts create turnovers that kind of thing. Um, but the defensive side of the ball for the Colts has their own issue to deal with, and they should probably get to this before the end of the pod. Uh, Grover Stewart is not available for now and for the next five games after that, after a, a suspension for performance-enhancing drugs. Um, he had six games, which according to the NFL policy means he tested positive for an anabolic agent. Anabolic, for uh, those of you like me who didn't know exactly what that meant, uh, yesterday, it just is, it just means a synthetic version of t- testosterone in some way or the other, uh, aids with muscle building. Um, the Colts and Gro- Grover Stewart put out a a statement that indicated that he took something unknowingly. The Colts backed him up on that today. Shane Steichen pretty pretty strenuously backed him up. I would say he was fairly strong with it. Um, it's it's we we haven't gotten a chance to talk to Grover. We won't for a while. I I don't have any details on it. I'm not going to try to get into like if it's you know if like the veracity of of that. Mm-hmm. It's just what what we have. But for the from a defensive perspective, Grover Stewart's a big loss for sure. I think we're going to feel that this week first of all because of what you just said is that the um, the battle this week's going to be kind of who messes up who makes the mistake and this is where Grover is a key part of this team is that yes he's a nose tackle he's a mostly run first run centric player but that's how you you squeeze down that part of the game and you force teams to throw and that's when the pass rush can win that's when turnovers can come I think like if you take Grover Stewart out of this equation we're looking at either Eric Johnson Taven Bryan somebody like that playing in a nose tackle spot. And that's just a tremendous loss in terms of Grover's ability to just destroy guards and get in the backfield and create penetration. And um, especially when DeForest Bogner gets double teamed, I got to win that much one-on-one was really important. So it's unfortunate for obviously for, for them and for Grover, who is, you know, over the course of the past year and a half, I want to say of all players in this team who've like taken the biggest leap since I got on the beat in 2021, it would be Zaire Franklin and then probably Grover Stewart. Grover was there before you got here. He's got a lot better, though. He was pretty good before you got okay. here. Okay. But he he has been very good since you've been here, To just to underscore that. But I don't want to take anything away from Grover. He was really good from the start of – what year was he drafted in? Uh, 17. 
He was drafted in 17. The third, his third year in the NFL was the big jump year, uh, in my memory. Um, okay, I just remember. I felt like last year to me was a jump in how I felt. What I noticed is how disruptive he was. Uh, but yeah, he's always been a very stout nose tackle, and it's been something they've been able to build out. We talked about the one thing that I think this team was going to be elite at was stopping the run, and this is one of those you know absences that I think takes them down a notch. I mean, yeah, well, it it basically to me it basically comes down to Eric Johnson, um, last year's fifth round pick. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, a lot like a Grover Stewart pick. Grover Stewart was a fourth round pick out of a small school, took him a couple years to get going. Um, we haven't really seen Eric Johnson play much yet. He's been playing 20% of the snaps. Um, but he's really the only player on the roster who can play nose. Uh, Taven Bryan, they have him, I think they have him listed on the depth chart as the starting nose. I, for their sake, hope that's not the plan. Yeah, there's no way. We saw that. He's What game was that with that, that they were hurt? Oh yeah, that was. It looked bad. That's Texas. that's what I'm getting at. Um, what I'm getting at is when DeForest Buckner was hurt, and Taven Bryan was getting a lot of snaps in the run game. It did not look good. Well, and I agree. Th- Taven Bryan. That's more of a focal point spot. He's been one of the Taven Bryan is a a penetrator. He is not yeah, a run defender at his, all. His skill set's very different. He was drafted first round pick of the Jaguars as a pass rusher. You know that's in in you know it didn't quite work out for him there, but he went to. Uh, he went to the Browns last year, and it was a full-time starter as a three technique, and the idea being that they could they could bring out his his pass rushing skill set. The problem is, in that role, what other teams would often do is run the ball. That's not that's just not as much his game, and that was from the three tech spot. So I don't know that he fits the nose so well, but but they 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 don't have a lot of options. So I'm sure they will have some version of playing him along with Eric Johnson. Also probably more Dio, I would imagine. Uh, Dio, you know, plays inside in that spot on obvious passing downs. Maybe they lean a little bit more into that. Um, obviously that's not as ideal in some of those uh, times when you're trying to be heavier, but they they got to manage what they have. And I think uh, that's kind of the, where I would like to see them go is play Dio a little bit more um, and just hope that it's, ins- you know, you're insulating him with DeForest Buckner with Zaire Franklin, um, Quiddy Pay and Samson Abacom on the edges. It's like you you still have a pretty good run. You have you have a number of really good run defenders out there, and you're trying to manage uh, the spot that that may be most central to that, which is not the easiest, but it's the spot they're in. Yeah, Grover, Grover is is an enormous loss for the run defense. I really think I really think the, their their best hope is that Eric Johnson is better than anybody expects. I don't think he's going to play at Grover Stewart's level, but I think if you can get like good starting caliber nose tackle stuff out of him, maybe maybe the way Grover started playing, oh gosh, nineteen ish. Um, I think that was the year that they tried to go into it with Marcus Hunt, and Marcus Hunt was terrible. Um, but if you got that, I think that you could you could probably work it. But it's it's six, he's playing sixty percent of the snaps. Um, Grover was, and so for one player to re- replace that, if it's Johnson, he suddenly has to play forty percent more of the snaps. Um, and it's a it's a problem that it's six games too, because I mean, 
you're going to get in these situations where you have to play without somebody for a game and try and manage that. And but you yeah, know, this is they, this is the this is what it looks like going forward. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's what they say in this league is like the longer that backups play, you kind of learn why they were backups, and that's what the chess match is in this league. It's like that we were talking about the on the reverse side of the ball is once you know teams like you know like you put a blueprint out there of how to how to expose a team, everyone's going to do it. Well, that's that. They'll be interesting to watch if if teams find their way to take advantage of this run on the Colts. Like every team's going to kind of take that until the Colts prove that they can get out of it. Which for six games they've got to do without Grover Stewart. So that's what I expect on Sunday is the Browns with a backup quarterback. If that's what ends up happening, if they're playing with PJ Walker, I expect them to just go right at that spot and just they have if they get Joel Batonio back, they've got two all pro guards and they don't have Nick Chubb, but they've got uh Jerome Ford is looking pretty good last week against 49ers. I just expect them to really run at that spot and run at that spot and, you know, score enough to put the pressure back on the Colts offense to answer it when, you know, we know what they're up against too. Yeah. The Rams game without Buckner with, I mean, Stewart played more, I think in that game, but it's just really bad on the inside. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of it was Taven Bryan, a lot of those first down. Cause that, that was the game that, Buckner basically played only on third down situations. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of Taven Bryan in first and second down. I keep coming back to this, but to me, the best hope is just that Eric Johnson takes a step forward the way Grover took a step forward in 2019 when he kind of took the nose tackle away from Marcus Hunt for the first time. Um, and Hunt wasn't good that year, but Grover was. Grover was starting in that year. Um, that's that's probably your best chance. Otherwise, this it's a it's a front that's that's in for some some issues. I mean, all you have to do is talk to Zaire Franklin after any game, and the way he talks about Grover and and Buckner together and what that does for them in the in the run game, and for him in terms of making tackles, it's it's not great. It's not great to lose Buck or to lose Stewart for six games. Yeah, I think it's gonna you know just like with the Anthony loss, it's gonna put more pressure on all the guys around that spot. So we're going to kind of see the strides that Quiddy Pay can make uh, in his third year. Now he's he's back on the field. Samson Ebicom, who's looked very good, but, you know, he's mostly, you know, he's going to start facing tougher matchups against starting left tackles. We'll see kind of if he can make more of an impact. Can Shaquille Leonard get more back to his self the way that they have him on this timeline to get there by November? And I will say last week in Jacksonville was – probably a better game for him than we've seen a more impactful game a more higher snap count uh type of game and then just even the trickle effects to like the safety positions and how those guys factor into uh run support and so um it's, it's tough because they're already managing as a defense they're managing some of the weaknesses at cor- outside cornerback just l- lack of experience and lack of stability there you know and the idea is being like you know they're Teams could throw on them a lot, but they, you know, it's a lot harder to run on them, especially run up the middle. Um, so now there's a few more options, and it is going to change a little bit because we've laughed so many times over the last year and a half when teams would go up against this Colts team and they get to third and short, fourth and short, and just run right up the middle, and somewhere something between Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner would just destroy it. Um, you know that that tandem is not quite going to be the same, and. So, but it is like other things with this season. It is a chance to get a look at younger players and see what they have in Eric Johnson because I can't really tell you that much about where Eric Johnson is. Uh, I know he's playing twenty percent of the snaps, but I, 
you know, I haven't noticed him as much, um, but this will be an opportunity for him to play a lot more and, and teams I'm sure are going to go at him when you've got a guy who's not used to being in the role teams try and expose that. So we're going to learn a lot about him in the next few weeks. Learn a lot about this team in general. The Colts uh, obviously play the Browns this weekend. Um, first game, no, not the first game without Anthony Richardson, but our first game after learning the news that he is out for the season. This is the team that the Colts have going forward. Um, Stewart, I believe, can be back uh, in early December, but six games have to happen before that. Um, so it's 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 a tough spot the Colts are in. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. For the Colts Cover 2 Podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins.